We're told that a polymath is someone whose knowledge encompasses a range of subjects and who, further, tends to draw on complex areas of knowledge to solve specific problems. That's one online definition. And that's the term Trumish Gurgan uses to describe Benjamin Franklin. Gurgan reminds us that in addition to being a scientist, inventor, statesman, and author, Franklin was a musician and composer who enjoyed singing and who played many instruments, including guitar, harp, and viola da gamba. Stephen Alessi picks up there. Of all his inventions, Franklin claims the glass harmonica has given him the greatest personal satisfaction. Franklin was inspired to create the glass harmonica when he heard the soft and pure sound of the musical glasses during a performance of Handel's Water Music. Despite Franklin's enthusiasm, however, very few people are familiar with the instrument. Yet, such composers as Donizetti, Beethoven, and Mozart featured it in their works. Named after the Italian word armonia, meaning harmony, the harmonica also has quite a few alternative names, the glass harmonica and the bowl organ among them. The glass harmonica has played a significant cultural role both historically and contemporarily, as well as inspiring innovation and creativity. Although Franklin cannot be fully credited with discovering that water-filled glasses produce music, he was the first to invent a portable version. Thought to be discovered some 600 years earlier, musicians originally played single glasses or set up a series of glasses with varying amounts of water in each glass. The musicians then wet their fingers and moved them around the circumference of the bowls to produce pitches. However, this glass harp was difficult to move from venue to venue. So, Benjamin Franklin decided to adjust the size of the glass rather than the amount of water in each glass. He subsequently situated the bowls from smallest to largest on a spindle and secured the device in a piano-like frame where the brim of the bowls circulated through a water reservoir to keep the player's fingers moist. This setup allowed him to easily transport his invention without continually needing to tune each glass by adjusting the water depth. The major issue, however, was that since the sound of the bowls was so dependent on having a proper shape and size, only one out of every 100 glasses blown was actually suitable for use. It was difficult to achieve the proper size and tone to produce all 48 notes, including two octaves below middle C and two above. Nonetheless, in order to expedite the creation process, Franklin hired approximately 100 workers, allowing him to distribute his instruments faster. The instrument then made its premiere in 1762 when Marianne Davies, a well-known musician from London, played music on it. Soon after, Franklin came to discover that his instrument touched the hearts of many, just as the glass harp had touched his own. That from Stephen Alessi, writing for the Pennsylvania Center for the Book. As we engage with our art scene guests today, perhaps we can keep in mind the powerful painting by American-born artist Benjamin West, titled Benjamin Franklin, Drawing Electricity from the Sky, 
a dynamic celebration of a polymath like Franklin rendered through the visual arts. We'll understand why that's important for us as we learn about a new and stimulating initiative at Keystone College in La Plume titled Reimagining the Arts. The official launch of the effort will take place on Sunday, November 5th, with a tribute to Keystone's legendary history in art education by honoring Professor Emeritus Carl Neuroth with special recognition of Clifton Prokop and William Turstig and the detailing of a vision for a renewed future for the arts at Keystone. John Pullo Sr. has been named the 12th president of Keystone College this year. He holds degrees in economics, business administration, and technology management. He has worked over the years at the Swedish conglomerate Sandvik and at Gentex Corporation. He's founder and CEO of Chartwell Strategies, LLC. John Pullo happens to be a 1969 Keystone College graduate returning to an institution he respects and loves deeply, bringing all of his life and professional experience to his vision for the future of the college. President Pulo paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk about that vision with Carl Neuroth, Professor of Art Emeritus, and Ward Rowe, Professor of Art and Director of the Honors Program. President Pulo begins by telling us about the importance of arts in his own life. My dad was a self-trained artist, a sketch artist, and dabbled in color from time to time. And I look at his work and I keep thinking of what he could have been. And I have artifacts of what he left behind. And I remember one time being in Madrid and went to the Domo, and uh, there's a, a museum adjacent to the, the cathedral, which is filled with art from famous Spanish artists. And my dad was huge on the Renaissance side. You know, he loved the masters. and I, I remember being there, and I just said, I wish he could see this, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so through that and the time I spent in most of my life in music, I've always had this more creative end to my experience. And so doing this at Keystone was nothing new to me, you know, just something that had to be. Especially the latter part of my life, or my tenure with, with Gentex, was in mergers and acquisitions, and I helped the company buy a company in Boston, and one of the companies that we acquired was an industrial design company. And I didn't realize what was going on in that business uh, because what they would do is actually create the models that would become the helmets for the other company, Opscore, which we also acquired. When I got inside the company, I realized everybody who worked there were artists and yeah. would take this into 3D form and then turn it over to the manufacturing engineers who would turn it into a product that could be worn by a soldier or an aviator or whatever the case may be. So to me, this is extremely informative in terms of what I see as the opportunity to Keystone because you know we could take the visual arts component and merge it with the digital component, which is already in existence at Keystone, and actually create another backbone, which would be in something like industrial design, which is nowhere in this area. So a level of differentiation that we can create for the college is really where it's at because everybody has everything these days and we don't really want to be the same thing to everybody else. So we have skills that I think we could leverage and our art legacy is among them. So building on that makes all the sense in the world to me. Don't we know that you all just celebrated 150 years? A few yes. years ago, yeah, 1858. So we're fresh off that. So we're like 155 years now. 
and, and counting. <laughs> so that's the story there. It's a great story. You know, one of the oldest colleges in Pennsylvania. We started as a high school for an academy for returning soldiers from the Civil War. So we know a little bit about veterans. But as a practical matter, we were a junior college for most of our existence. But for the last 25 years, we've been offering baccalaureate degrees and later on some graduate programs as well. But our history as a junior college was well known. We were highly rated when that was our only mission in life. Many of our graduates went on to some of the best universities in, in the country as well as into industry and other professions, continue their education in many different ways. But we were always proud of what we gave them as a, as a foundation. And I'm a 69 alum, so you know I'm part of that legacy. And so I'm, I'm really excited to be back, you know, and at my age, you know, it's, I'm just giving back. This is my, this is my capstone project, if you will. <laughs> you know, it doesn't get any better than this. Carl, we look back and we see that there was a president named Miller at the time, and yeah. President Miller said, come on board, Carl Neuroth. What was he thinking, and what were you thinking about coming here to start something like this? Well, the idea of coming to Keystone was a very much uh, part of my desire. I, I liked small schools. I attended a very small high school, public high school, and coming to Keystone was kind of in that same ballpark. And uh, Harry, uh, Dr. Miller, wanted to have some visual artists on campus and to build up that portion of the program. So, yeah, it's been great from the very beginning. He was, uh, he was behind us all the way, and then, of course, he left, and others came aboard, other presidents, but we've enjoyed a, a good amount of uh, recognition, and partly more because of their cooperation and administration, you know? And uh, I just think it's wonderful to watch things resurface and uh, come back and enhanced powerfully by the uh, educational component of how to get a job and how to hold on to it. And uh, that's something that uh, Ward and I both know of artists who had the, the skills, the ability, but didn't have the business background and kind of fizzled out in the long <laughs> run. So this is a step in the right direction, a major, major step in the right direction. And Ward, it was Carl first, and then how did the department grow? Who came on, and how did that work? Well, I, I think Carl brought Bill Turstig in after a couple of years. Carl was there, and then Cliff Prokop came third, and, and they're sort of the three amigos of the founding, the founding fathers. <laughs> and there were a, a number of other artists that were brought in, and we had a visiting artist program, so they were able to bring a number of faculty members in in subsequent years. Ultimately, I, I was fortunate enough to be brought on board in 1991, and I, I just felt tremendously grateful to be a part of that team and, and to kind of carry that legacy forward. What was it that distinguished the department to such a degree that people around the country knew and respected what you all were doing at Keystone? What was the nature of the program and the vision? There are several factors, but one of the leading factors was the fact that all of the faculty we hired in the art program were artists who really did produce work and show work, not just regionally, but nationally and beyond. And that was a great help. And the other thing that really worked out well was our relationship to the cultural community 
the uh, whole area of northeastern Pennsylvania became the grounds for us to try to explore and share what we were doing, and uh, it worked out beautifully. It really did. I still can't get over it, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's right there waiting for us to uh, move back in and do more of that. And what about things like the infrastructure you need to have an art department, studios, a place to show work, and what kind of college your size has an iron foundry? What are these things that were support opportunities for students to expand and develop their skills at that time? Yeah, at that time, well, we were probably the only school in the country that offered bronze casting to freshmen. I mean, that's going out there pretty far, you know. And Bill came in, Thursday came in with amazing skills. They had a great way of dealing with the students, high school students as well as college students. We developed a program of offering college credit programming in the evenings at Keystone, and uh, students flocked to it, many of them traveling well over an hour to get here one way. And we never, ever looked down upon them and said, well, they can't do this or they can't do that. Ward was involved when you came in. Right. Got yeah. deeply involved in the photography. And we had three-hour studio classes, and they were really comprehensive. Yeah, and I, I feel like these three gentlemen had a really well-oiled machine in terms of thinking everything through. So, you know, we were not only offering a great education to the college students that we had, we were taking them to New York and Philadelphia routinely. And this region, you find a lot of students never have gone to the city, you know, and they'd come to us and it'd be their first experience in a big city. And we'd take them to the museums and things. And we would also take them to some of the schools that we transferred students to. And those schools really respected what we were doing and, and sought after our yeah. graduates. In, in fact, School of Visual Arts in New York for many years offered a, a full tuition scholarship to one of our graduates, and they allowed us to choose the person. So the, the recruitment of students through these high school programs and the tentacles of the faculty out beyond the area, all these things were, were deeply considered and really constructed well. And Carl, you mentioned the connections in the community. And certainly, Ward, we have talked at this table, you and I, and various artists you have brought into the gallery for all of us. Yeah, we had some real heavy hitters at the college. Noted photographers, Joyce Tennyson, Emmett Gowan. We had a, a two-person show, two sisters, Alida Fish and Janet Fish. Janet's a very high-profile painter in New York City, and Alida ran the photography department at the University of the Arts. Bill Terstig brought in William Daly, whose ceramic vessels are in every major museum in the country. Toshiko Takezu, I think Carl brought in before actually I got there. But you know, these, these people are huge names in visual arts. And a lot of the times, I think, too, that they, they came to this little school in Pennsylvania because we were friends with them. And they trusted us. It was, it was a very good, very good situation. And the community recognized it and got very involved in supporting the program. The exhibits was an important factor in doing all that. And the openings were very popularly attended. It was just an amazing thing, but we all worked like the Dickens to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. 
John, you were a student and you mentioned studying under Carl Neuroth. What was the department like and what were you seeing around you as a student? Right. So I, I didn't I didn't participate in a lot of the visual arts programs. I was a commuting student. I worked uh, part-time, so I was on campus for class, and that pretty much defined my experience at the college at the time. But suffice it to say, the the general education curriculum required that you take art appreciation and the like, and and Carl, of course, was uh, one of the instructors at the time, and he, he was extremely energetic, highly engaging, and and I can tell you there's probably more that I remember from that class than many others in terms of how I look at the world and how I look at how I look at art really portrayed or the let's say the the genius of of the artist at work in the in the work itself and that is what Carl taught me and now I go around to art museums across the country for one reason or another and I saw Thatcher display recently and and instantly the composition of color and so forth came crystal clear because of that experience with Carl color and light as an example so this was this was the the foundation of it and I never forgot it I had a similar experience um, in music appreciation at Keystone at the time and to this day if you drop a needle you know on a on a symphonic work I could probably tell you who who the uh, you know who who the uh, author was and there's something about the spirit of Keystone. Mm-hmm. If we come to visit the campus for an exhibit or for a program or a lecture, there is a heart and a humanistic sense, no matter what the department is. The yeah, I, and, and I would say that every alum from the college has a story about a faculty member that was special to them in some way. In my case, it was Jean Laurie. You probably remember Jean Laurie, but she was a literature professor at the time, and she really got me thinking right and how to understand how I could excel. And, and if you have that kind of personal attention, ultimately you start believing you can do anything. And, and that's the difference I think we make in the students that we attract to Keystone and, and ultimately graduate. And where have we been since the days of the ultimate flourishing of the department? What's been happening in recent years? You have a glass initiative. Yes, yes. So we are the only hot glass shop between Philadelphia and Corning, New York. There's not another institution around that does what we are capable of with glass. It's immensely popular. We run community workshops on a, a number of weekends per year, and, and they fill quickly. You know, make your own pumpkin or make your own Christmas ornament. Uh, but it's part of our art program, too. And in addition to ceramics and drawing and painting and graphic design, where we sort of moved as, as things began to move towards more workforce readiness, we created a digital media program that provides a broad foundation for students who are digitally skilled or have a direction that they want to move in that way. And, and, and we we give them a, a broad sampling of design, graphic design, web design, audio production. So it's podcasting and sound and video production. And from that menu, they can choose to sort of uh, spend more time in any one area. And that program requires an internship. So we made a workforce readiness piece as part of that. And John, you became president and saw that building on what you knew of the program when you were at the school and what's been developing in the world, what in your experience has led you to reimagine? 
So, you know, as, as, as things go, and certainly the challenges in higher education are one of testing our relevance, and there's a lot of different ways that that comes out. One of it is one, one test of relevance is often can you get a job when you get a degree? And, I, and that's fine. I, I totally ascribe to that because we're all going there for a reason. But the reality is, is that some things get left behind when that occurs. And you see that everywhere in the education system, whether it's art, whether it's foreign languages, whether it's music, anything that ultimately redounds to the creative side of the human experience, in my mind, is is incredibly important. And these are the last things that should be cut. So what I thought would be useful would be to rebuild the visual arts component of it again, continuing to leverage on things like the glass and ceramics component that Ward spoke about, but to, again, reinvest in the visual arts component to strengthen that. And if you remember my earlier comment about industrial design, that sort of leaps into the workforce readiness piece again because it creates an institutional pathway towards the the workforce environment by creating that skill. But, But more importantly, if we could find a way to rebuild the visual arts side and more highly integrate it, more tightly integrate it with the digital components that are there. Because as a practical matter, many artists today really are living in the digital world. They sketch digitally and they compose digitally. And the whole notion of, of graphic design is now intensely digital. So there's, there's strong connections to the let's say, the foundational visual arts component that was taught for years in art programs. So if you think about that and how to bring those worlds together, and you may know that we have a 3D printing center at Keystone, which again puts you back into the digital 3D space that I spoke about earlier. So if you bring all that together, then the question is, is how do you architect a bridge between that and the digital side and also create the foundation for some new approaches that could also be more useful to those who want to use the art skills that they have and create a career around it. So thinking about that, I came up with this notion of let's find a way to integrate these components in a way that would be useful academically and put the challenge in front of the faculty. And what the faculty did was actually come up with an integrated program to do that, literally a degree map, if you will, centered around two fundamental principles. One was visual arts, and the second, which, and I'm a huge fan of integrated knowledge, got the, the components of the business side together in arts and entrepreneurship. So what Ward did was actually create a program that looked at the business level components that are important to those in the art world, fundamentally to either make a living in the business or to start a business in the business, <laughs> if you will, and give them the tools to do that rather than throwing them to the wolves and say, have a nice day. You know, let's do something about accounting and marketing and web design and things of that nature. So what the faculty did was actually come up with that integrated construct that allowed us to look at it from a programmatic point of view. And that's where we're starting. That's not where it ends, but it's where we're starting. Because what I really want to do is begin to continue to elevate that into areas like industrial design and so forth, as I mentioned earlier. But we have to have a strong foundation that gives students as many creative pathways as they can have in as many different mediums as they would like to test as part of the educational journey that they're on. 
and ultimately come out with an idea about how they want to use those skills in the real world. That, to me, is the solution that we're looking for. And so when you say this is where you're starting, you are launching this and letting us all know that this is something that's important at Keystone and you're going to ask again for the help of the community. Yeah, absolutely right. So what we really want to do as part of the celebration is not only to celebrate our legacy, but also to give the community an understanding of where we're going. And, you know, part of the celebration is, is obviously to create the funding mechanisms necessary to grow the program where we can to help students with not only their tuition, but also the costs of, of their work in many respects, but also to enrich the environment by bringing in visiting artists and, and so forth, where we could inspire young people with the vision of and, and the skills of others who are well known in the field and can make an impact on their own work in many respects. So to me, it's 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 a, a slow process of rebuilding the community, not only around a student-centered model, but also around a community-centered model. And I, and I think that's the thing. I wanted to say one more thing about comments that Carl and Ward made about some of the contributions that these artists made to things like furnace design and so forth. I think what's missed in a lot of cases is that artists are probably the most competent problem solvers on the planet in many respects. You know, it's 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 not just what they visualize, but they have to, in many cases, create the process to get there. Yeah, so there's a lot of technical stuff that's got to be solved along the way. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think a lot of people really forget that. You know, they, they are the MacGyvers, if you will, <laughs> you know, of the educational world in many respects. But, but it goes back to the tradition of Leonardo da Vinci in a way, because what he said was, you know, learn the art of science and learn the science of art. And just remember that all of this is connected in some way. And, and this, is, this is the vision I have. You know, it's the integration of knowledge everywhere and how this plays out in art. I see a constellation of disciplines around the art world that feed it and inform it and build it. So, you know, things like material science becomes incredibly important to art in many respects. And it's not that we're going to have material scientists go into art, but many material science are artists. I mean, let's face it. And they solve these problems because of the skills that they have. So everything is connected, and we have to remember that. That's what enriches our lives. That's how you build, you create the whole person in many respects, is to bring all of this knowledge together in one place. And this is, this is life. This is, this is the beauty of it. John Poulos Sr., president of Keystone College in La Plume, with Carl Neuroth, professor of art emeritus, and Ward Rowe, professor of art and director of the honors program, speaking about the esteemed art program at Keystone and a new initiative titled Reimagining the Arts and the upcoming celebration to launch that effort on Sunday, November 5th at 5 o'clock in the Theater at Brooks on the Keystone campus. Honoring Carl Neuroth, Clifton Prokop, and William Terstieg, the public is invited to attend for reservations and information on the web, keystone.edu slash reimagining the arts. Keystone.edu slash reimagining the arts. (laughs) 
Reimagining the Arts Celebration, Sunday, November 5th at 5 p.m. on the Keystone College campus in La Plume in the theater at Brooks. For more information and reservations, keystone.edu slash reimagining the arts. <laughs>